And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Playoffs are fun, man. That's that's all I got to say. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. We have some of the action from a fantastic Wednesday night of playoff basketball in the NBA. I am Dave DeFore. I am here with Andrew Schlecht, as I am every single Thursday morning. Andrew, look, we're not going to talk a lot about Wiz and Sixers because, you know, frankly, that series is going to be over pretty quick. We will kind of touch on something that happened there uh, toward the end of the show. But we are going to start in Madison Square Garden. It was freaking bumping tonight. I mean, it was just what a that's a hell of a six man they had. Sheesh, it's electric, and you can hear the crowd. You just you just want to turn your TV up if you're sitting at home, because just the sound of especially the there was an alley oop to Obi Toppin, and the just the roof just blows off the place, and that <laughs> that that sound that particular sound when a crowd gets that hyped is is really what I don't know. It just connects you to the league. It's what connects me to. Uh, NBA moments. It makes me think of NBA moments that I've experienced in person. So it's really, really great to have that back. Yeah, it really felt good. It just was nice to hear. And and I was lucky because I was watching the Breen and, and Clyde broadcast too. So, I mean, it just felt like a Knicks game. Yep. Uh, and speaking of the Knicks, look, they won. They won a home playoff game for the first time in a long time. Congratulations to Knicks fans. 101-92. And look, it did not look like this was going to go this way. It looked like no. this was going to be a pretty easy Hawks win. Trey Young was just having his way. He had another 30-point game, was 4 of 7 from deep, had 7 assists. Just the Knicks struggled to get him stopped. And, and like it took them until really the third quarter, I think. But I want to start on the Knicks' end because they struggled to score and keep up early. And if it wasn't for Derrick Rose coming in off the bench, the Knicks are toast. He had 26 off the bench. And I got to ask you, Andrew, why in the hell isn't he starting? They need his offense. It's a mystery, right? I mean, the Alfred Ask Payton Knicks stuff. Fans. Is like, he played five minutes. He missed both shots. Like, what's the point? Like, what are we? What are we doing here? Like, if you don't want, if you'd rather, sometimes it's they want to bring Derek off the bench. That's fine. Like, start Emmanuel quickly. Start Alec Burks. Like, there's other guys here. You don't. You don't have to play him. It's not in the rule book. It's just it's, the Knicks. It's you odd. know, I haven't looked this up, but I feel like the Knicks could be one of the first teams in NBA history to have three guys play thirty minutes or more off the bench. Derrick Rose played thirty nine minutes in this game yep. and did not start it in either half. <laughs> so yeah, you know, a little bit weird. And also, Julius Randle didn't start this game. He was in the starting lineup, but he wasn't on the court. He <laughs> d was just not available for them until about the third quarter. And then, you know, he started to facilitate a little bit, started to get it going, finishes up with 15 points. They don't win this game if he didn't stop being missing in action. Yeah, I was getting a little concerned halfway through the game because he really didn't show up in game one. And then 
you get to halftime and they're down double digits and you're like, where's where's the Julius Randle we've seen all season? And that version hasn't really shown up yet, but he started making jumpers and he hit that jumper that put them up and you could kind of see his swag come back. But yeah, I, I'm still waiting for Julius Randle to emerge. Maybe he'll emerge in Atlanta. <laughs> well, you know, he, he averaged like 40 a game against them in the regular season and just cannot get it going. Well, and... Yep. To be fair, though, I, I will say that I do think that DeAndre Hunter is really disrupting the stuff that he likes to do. He, he, Julius Randle is having a hard time getting into those spots that he's thrived in all year and being able to make reads because of DeAndre Hunter. I mean, this is just it's like Ronnie Lott playing defense across the way from you. Yeah, I mean, you have Hunter and then you have Capella like those two are really clogging up the lane. That's a lot of arms to get through and they're contesting everything. They're sticking right with him. So, yeah, th- those two have been fantastic so far. Yeah, and if you look at the score of this game, you might think, all right, well, the Knicks must have figured out the defense. They held them to 92 points. But I just don't think that's true. The Hawks wound up going 12 of 44 from three. And a lot of these down the stretch were just wide-open looks that they couldn't stick. And I think that if you're the Knicks, you're going to go to the tape and you're going to say, wow, we have got to do a lot better job defensively because we can't expect – Bogdanovich to go two of 13 again. And by the way, two of 13 from three for, for Bogdan, but he was fantastic in this game paired up with Trey young. That was destroying the Knicks. Yeah, it was. I mean, you talk about the shooting. They were 14% in the third quarter from three, 16% in the fourth quarter. Uh, they didn't score above 20 points in either of those periods. So it's the Hawks. This Hawks team will not probably do that again. And so if you're the Knicks, you one, we talked about Randall, like Randall's got to show up and they've they've got to have better production from everybody because this may have been the game that they get, right? From from the Hawks where everybody doesn't shoot it well from three outside of Trey Young. I mean, you have Danilo Gallinari, two of nine, Bogdanovich, two of thirteen. While he does bend the defense, like he still has got to make shots if they're gonna win uh this series. John Collins, O of two. Uh, everybody else is pretty abysmal from three. I don't think that'll happen again. I think they're 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 too good from three to shoot like this again. Yeah, and something to watch going forward, especially in game three, the, the Hawks struggled when Bogdanovich and Trey Young were off the court. I want to see if Nate McMillan starts to stagger those guys, try to keep some creation on the court, especially with the bigs that they're playing. I mean, Kwangu can't be out there without one of those guys, in my opinion. I think you need to have a guy who knows what they're doing with the ball in their hands to make sure that your young guys can succeed. You know, Very simple coaching thing that I expect to see in game three. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And in the late game, look, the Utah Jazz, they were not going to lose every game in this series. We knew they were going to win one. 
I was pretty sure they were going to win this one, and they did. 141 to 129. By the way, scores in regulation <laughs> where both teams are like 129 points or more is really hard to get used to. Uh, this did not even really have that fast of a pace. But when you have the Utah Jazz hitting 19 threes, uh, 141 points seems, you know, pretty logical. Uh, this is what we needed from Utah. We needed that bounce back game. You had all this drama around Donovan Mitchell and like trade rumors that are just being manufactured by different fan bases <laughs> that are just so happy that things are going wrong. But he comes back. He plays really well. He scores 25 points. Only played 26 minutes. Uh, he seemed to have, I don't know that he re-injured or just needed re-taped on his ankle, but he had to go back in the locker room, came back, Entered the game again, ended up falling. I don't know. I'm I'm a little worried about Donovan Mitchell. Hold him. They should have really just held him out the rest of the game. I thought it was a fantastic performance from Rudy Gobert on both ends. He was finding seams to get to the basket on the offensive end and finishing with just some monster dunks. And then defensively, he brings what he always does. He helps this team be elite on the defensive end, especially in the fourth quarter. He kind of helps shut that Grizzlies offense down. And then we also got a great performance from former Grizzly Mike Conley. I thought it was a fantastic game from Mike Conley. He actually finishes this game with 20 points and 15 assists, which is just for, for a team that moves the ball as much as they do for one guy to get that many assists. I mean, he was dealing tonight. And I thought that they did a really good job of catching Memphis off guard and transition and getting those threes up and hitting them helps, right? Like that's how you win basketball games. They shot 16% in the in game one. They shot 39% from three for the season. So this regression back to the norm was great. But I do think that they still have problems. Look, John Morant scored 47 points in this game. He shot 20 free throws. He is putting pressure on this defense in a way that I don't know that I've seen anyone do to the Utah Jazz just alone. Yeah, that third quarter was quite a performance. They put up 43 points in the third and cut the lead down to four, I believe. And it was six heading into the fourth quarter. And it was just Ja Morant over and over and over again. He was relentless. He hits, I mean, he was, and he's still going in the fourth quarter. And he just started missing some shots. But man, what a performance! This guy is is a star, and they just need to continue to develop. I was I was really glad to see Jaron Jackson play a little bit more in this game. He ended up playing 31 minutes. He's he's the guy that, that's going to need to develop next to John Morant. He's the one with the talent. And Dylan Brooks had a great game one, still played really well. In game two, just struggled with, with foul trouble. But uh, it's really Jaron Jackson. So I, I'm glad that he got to play a little bit more. He had to play through, through some mistakes, but... Uh, ended up with 16 points on six shots, so uh, you can't really complain too much there. But yeah, Ja Ja's a bona fide star, man. He's he's relentless. He's so much fun in transition, even in the half court. Like he's just finding ways to get to the free throw line, and that's what stars do. Yeah, you you mentioned Dylan Brooks having foul troubles. Uh, he had three fouls in the first half, but so did Ja Morant. So did Jonas Valanciunas. Um, I have to say, if you're Memphis, you're kicking yourself right now because there's a little bit of a missed opportunity by getting into that early foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Not only that, they committed four fouls on three-point shooters. That's yeah. unacceptable. You just cannot do that many because then you're giving the game away. And Utah, they shot 31 free throws. It, it, Memphis shot 38. So Memphis was getting to the line. 
But the stuff that they were giving up, some of the dumb fouls, some of the silly ones, especially some of the Dylan Brook fouls, where he's out of control and you're just giving away possessions or you're putting them on the line. And then you look and, and you know, it was a there was a 20 something point lead at one point and they fought back and they lose by 12. But you have to think if we weren't in foul trouble in the first half, maybe we could have actually pulled this one out. Yeah, it's it's young player mistakes. It's those mental errors that they make. It's the landing space fouls that they continue to do. I mean, that's those are just those kind of things that you need to clean up, and that can be cleaned up. Uh, but this is also your classic one eight matchup where you have this veteran team that's been here before, that's had these battles, that's lost, you know, many years uh, before they get to where they want to go. And this is Memphis's. This is. Their first time. So this is your, just to me, it's classic 1-8 and kind of lots of learning experiences for uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant. And as we wrap up, uh, the Sixers beat the Wizards 120 to 95. Uh, kind of a rough game for the Wizards in their offense. Um, you know, they go up 2-0 in this series. I think everyone kind of expects this series to be a sweep, maybe five games. But the big story here is that Russell Westbrook got injured. He hurt his ankle and he's walking through the tunnel to the locker room and he's violated by a fan who poured popcorn on him mm-hmm. and popcorn is not going to hurt anyone, obviously, but it's one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen in an NBA game. Russell Westbrook of all people, no player deserves to be treated that way, but Russell Westbrook of all people doesn't. Opposing fans should be respectful of a guy who shows up every single night, plays through injuries. I mean, this year he played through this torn quad all season long. The guy, and I hate to use this term, but if we're talking about sports and you say these guys can be warriors, Russell Westbrook is one. Yeah. You just, you don't disrespect that guy and especially not at his place of work. Not the first time Russ has been disrespected in Philly. This is not the first time or probably the last time that will happen to Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he was already mad because he had hurt his ankle and he was walking to the locker room because his ankle was hurt. And he was already fuming because that happened to him. And so he was walking back and it was kind of strange the way that it was designed. So it wasn't somebody like directly pouring it on him. Like there was some kind of gap in between whatever this little awning was. And it kind of fell in between there. But Russ, I mean, they had to have several people hold him back. And he was livid. I assume this fan will not be allowed back in the arena ever again. And that will be that. It's a shame that stuff like this happens, especially after coming off of a year where fans couldn't be in games. And, you know, people are people can do dumb stuff. And this was a really stupid thing. I uh, also want to talk about disrespectful. Matisse Tybel just absolutely just <laughs> engulfed people in this game. The dude had five <laughs> blocks and four steals in this game. Like, he doesn't do a whole lot else. He made a three. I think he had a point transition or something. He had five points, but he had five points, five blocks, four steals. That dude is really something special on the defensive end. And he only did it in 20 minutes, which is an argument that was used against him to hold him off the All-NBA team. And, yeah. and I, I think that something we've got to do something where we can measure defensive stats for impact a little bit better because Matisse Tybal 
is an all-NBA defender. I don't care what you say. That's going to do it for today's show, folks. Don't forget about all the other podcasts we've got at the Athletic Podcast Network. Go and check them out. If you haven't subscribed already, go to theathletic.com slash daily ding and do it now. Thank you guys for waking up with us. Andrew, take it away. Ding, ding. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.